0: Welcome to St. James Bible Bites. This podcast was recorded live at our Sunday morning service. The talk is by the Reverend Fabian Vertz and the readings are taken from Luke 3 beginning at verse 7 and Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians verses 16 to 24. You can watch the whole service on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel both linked on our website.
1: Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 3, and beginning to read at verse 7. Crowds of people came out to John to be baptized by him. You snakes, he said to them, who told you that you could escape from the punishment God is about to send? Do those things that will show that you have turned from your sins. And don't start saying among yourselves that Abraham is your ancestor. I tell you that God can take these stones and make descendants for Abraham. The axe is ready to cut down the trees at the roots. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, will be cut down and thrown in the fire. The people asked him, what are we to do then? He answered, whoever has two shirts must give one to the man who has none, and whoever has food must share it. Some tax collectors came to be baptised and they asked him, Teacher, what are we to do? Don't collect more than is legal, he told them. And some soldiers also asked him, What about us? What are we to do? He said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. Be content with your pay people's hopes began to rise. They began to wonder whether John might perhaps be the Messiah. So John said to all of them, I baptise you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I am. I'm not good enough even to untie his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He has his winnowing shovel with him to thresh out all the grain and gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn the chaff in the fire that never goes out. In many different ways, John preached the good news to the people and urged them to change their ways. This is the gospel of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God.
2: Thank you, and then Felicity, thank you for the reading.
0: 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 24. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject whatever is harmful. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord.
2: The title today is Hold On, God Will Do It, it's um, the third Sunday of Advent, um, and as I read it again, the title, I I think I should have changed it slightly. Um, Hold on could be, you know, wait, hold on, but hold on is also, you know, persevere. Um, But the um, third Sunday of Advent, um, we light a candle, and if you know a little bit of story of those uh, four candles, we start with the... Uh, patriarch which are uh, the kind of fathers uh, of the old testament uh, people like Moses and Abraham and we move to the prophets and the third candle is the last prophet uh, John the Baptist and that's why those two readings are actually part of the lectionary those are the readings for the third Sunday of uh, Advent. Um, but what we also um, have with the candles, we sometimes have themes, and different candles have different uh, themes. And the third candle is the theme of joy or rejoice. And that's why in our New Testament reading, uh, we have uh, that reading from uh, the letter to the Thessalonians, Thessalonians there we go, I need to say it very slowly, um, which starts with rejoice always, the candle of joy. And I thought, well, rejoice would have been good instead of hold on. Rejoice because God will do it. And if there is something, um, maybe one thought that um, I would like to leave is the thought of being encouraged. As we make ourselves available to follow God, God makes himself much more available to to empower us, to strengthen us so that his life will start to be expressed more and more. God will do it. So how do they put both John the Baptist with the idea of rejoicing? I don't know about you, but the first picture that I have John the Baptist doesn't look like someone um, that, that, that had a life uh, that looked like very joyful. And yet, and yet I think he had a very joyful life. Um, I went to look at some of the pictures, some of the famous painting of John the Baptist, and um, to see, and I've, I've put on Google, you know, John the Baptist rejoicing. I couldn't find anything. Um, they're usually quite, quite stern, you know, John the Baptist the preacher, um, and you have here from uh, Mattia Preti, uh, an artist of the, the, the 17th century. Um, and, and you have some of the symbols that you often see on paintings with John the Baptist. Um, the famous cross, a reed cross, um, usually something um, uh, kind of a cloth red that represents uh, most probably salvation or blood. And you have um, the lamb and you can see the lamb there at the bottom um, and usually um, the camel hair um, that we read from scripture. Those kind of symbols, those kind of Uh, uh, items that identified um, John uh, the Baptist, so we have that in the picture, but it doesn't look very joyful to me, so what about this one? Uh, Quite muscular, you know, Um, um, but if you look at his, well, his kind of right hand, he has this kind of little ball, and that kind of represents his oyster type of life, he was living in a desert. Um, um, very interesting um, uh, diet, as you know, Um, and so this one kind of tries to portray the the idea of of the wilderness and the ascetic uh, um, kind of life he had, Um, and again, the preaching of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A voice is crying out in the wilderness we hear from scripture. What about this one? No, this one is doesn't look very joyful at all. Uh, and the person depicts uh, uh, John the De Baptist on purpose as a kind of a thin man, emphasizing his kind of humble living and, and, uh, and his Oster again living. So if you find a picture where you can see uh, a painting of John the Baptist that's joyful, please send me to my email because I couldn't find. The best I could find is actually in films. Um, and this is uh, 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 one of the scenes of one of those uh, many series of films. And there is a there is a kind of a smile there, I can see, when he meets Jesus. So, was John joyful? Well, looking back at some of the passage, there are hints that he must have been quite joyful. If we think back at that meeting between um, Mary and his mother-to-be, when he still was in the womb, you might remember that John the Baptist leaped for joy. Um, We also have in John 3 that he rejoiced rejoiced to hear the bridegroom's voice. And then we have his attitude In general, contrary to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, John wasn't feeling threatened by Jesus. Of course, Jesus was, they were cousins. They knew each other. But John has an amazing ministry. People were coming to him. But when Jesus came to be baptized, he wasn't afraid to point people to him. He encouraged his disciples to leave him, saying, here is the Lamb of God. Listen to him. When people came and ready to honor John as a possible Messiah, he would set them straight, saying, I am not the Messiah, someone else is coming, which is much more important, more powerful. He is not the star of the show, only the best supporting actor. Jesus is the one we need to look for. And maybe John the Baptist was like the best man at the wedding. Yes, he had the privilege to be that forerunner, to present Jesus to the world as he was uh, arriving on the scene, but he was not the man of the show. He joyfully accepted his role, even if its role was demanding and difficult, he is the one who was preparing the ground, pointing people back to God's covenant, to his intentions and desires and purposes. And it could be hard. And interesting, the person he was the most hard was the religious leaders for their hypocrisy because they were unwilling to show themselves vulnerable, to realize that they also needed as much salvation as anyone else. And so he had hard words for them. But they were words of love to shake their conscience so that they could be themselves ready for the coming of Jesus. And then the other words that he has are kind of common words of intentions for God, words of, you know, what should we do? He goes. And to the one he says, well, be generous, share food and share clothes, be fair, don't ask more than what is required. Be honest, be truthful, be kind. Now it's built on all the kind of the covenant they had, but. It goes at the heart at our hearts, at what is really important, and finally, when jesus' ministry uh, was start growing, uh, this is what John says: My joy is now full; He must increase, and I must decrease and Is that not the kind of same attitudes that should grow in our hearts, as Jesus reveals himself to us, and there is this joy of finally seeing the world, seeing God, seeing ourselves in a new light. That joy should grow and lead us to have Jesus um, more alive and present in our lives. That kind of same attitude as it's not about me, and it's less and less about me, and it's more about God and his plans and his work and Jesus And his desire to live lives of gratitude, faith, and hope. Attractive lives is what then Paul speaks in that second reading. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks. And then he continues, do not quench the spirits. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. To live that kind of life, we need help. We need God's presence in us. And so John points to that help. He says, I am baptizing you in a river. I'm just preparing. I'm just saying what God has always wanted to say to his people, how to live, and the reality that we can't do that on our own someone is coming i'm the mere stage hand but this one will ignite a kingdom and that's the message translation a kingdom of life that's god's kingdom a kingdom of life a fire the holy spirit within you changing you from inside out he is going to make a clean sweep of your lives he'll place everything true in its proper place before god And everything falls, he will put out with the trash to be burned. So there is ground to rejoice. Because God's plan is a God of transformation. And we are not left alone. And that's why Paul finishes, The one who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We rejoice because it is God's work in us. God's works, what we call of sanctification, a big Christian word, um, basically is growing in us true humanity, what we are supposed to be as human beings. Jesus was perfect true humanity, and now his work in us is growing that, making us fit for eternal purpose. And that will involve being redirected in our body, in our minds, and in our whole life. And so that's why... In that passage, we have that God is going to, through his spirits, um, um, I need to take my, my glasses there, the whole of our human existence, spirit, soul, and body, will be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord. God will sanctify us through and through. And here Paul is not trying to describe you know, human nature, and sometimes we use this verse to think, you know, we three parts, body, soul, and spirit? No, I think he, what he wants to say is the whole of our human existence and reality and experience, our body, our mind, our soul, our spirit, God is going to work throughout it, through it all. And he's described here as the God of peace, May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And that idea of peace in the Old Testament is the well-known idea of shalom, which is wholeness. It's the God who can truly make us whole. He will do it. Yes, we make ourselves ready. That's what John the Baptist did with the whole of Israel, making them ready, consecrating them, saying, yes, I want this kind of life. That's our bit committing ourselves, choosing the good, shunning evil. But on our own, we can't live that life. We need a different kind of power than just our own willpower. We need God in us and God with us. And that's the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then he moves on. We need also to hear God's voice in our own lives. And he speaks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Not grieving the Holy Spirit. So the context maybe in that letter is while in Corinthians, grieving the Spirit was the misuse of certain gifts, thinking that certain spiritual gifts were more important, like speaking in tongue. Um, here is, in a sense, the underuse of certain gifts. The gift here of prophecy. And the context could have been that um, They were um, thinking that Jesus had already come, or there were some issues around the second coming of Jesus in that letter, and maybe there was some kind of prophecy that were confusing, and as a church they decided, well, it's better not to make too much emphasis on this, and they were maybe underusing a specific gift. Whatever it is, whatever the context, and in our context, are we exploring all the gifts that God has been given us. All the gifts, spiritual gifts, the natural gifts, our talents, are we learning as a people and as a body to um, function with all those rich uh, experiences and gifts and abilities that God has given us? Do not grieve the spirit of God. Don't misuse and don't underuse. And that gift of the prophecy, it's it's a big subject. I could uh, have a a whole series on on just the prophecy. But in a nutshell, the intention of prophecy is to encourage. It's to encourage. It's to exhort, exhortation. And exhortation is not just encouragement. Sometimes it's to urge, to appeal, to teach, to make us ready for Jesus, for his coming. And we need to test. We need to test the teaching. We need to test when we share a word of God. We need to be humble. Uh, We shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. And Paul says, hold on to what is good and reject what is evil. And that idea of of good in in the Greek is um, something that rings true, a little bit like a coin. And you have a, a, a true coin and a fake coin. I think for us it's quite difficult because the fake can be so realistic that it's nearly impossible sometimes to distinguish fake and true. But in the time of Jesus, you could, you could distinguish a true coin and a fake coin. So hold on to the teaching that rings true. And hear and obey. So we have this. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Test everything. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. If you feel you share anything, I think God is saying something here. Let's explore and hold on. Let us hold on to what is good and reject what is not good. The expression is hold to the gold and chuck the muck. That's easier maybe. Hold to the gold and chuck the muck. And then there are things we need to do Continually, always, without ceasing, in all circumstances, the rejoice, the praying and the giving thanks. No, I don't know but about you, but I think praying throughout the day is quite challenging and mostly is um, we can't really do it. We can't talk to God through the day. I don't think that's what Paul was saying when he says pray without ceasing. It's more that attitude of being able to be aware of God's presence always, that God is always with us, to be in that attitude of dependence upon God for all that we have, for all that we are, conscious of his presence and ready to follow him. And it says give thanks, not always, give thanks in all circumstances. Because I think there is a difference between giving thanks always or every time, because there are things that happen to us that we shouldn't give thanks for. There are bad things that can happen to us. But in all circumstances, even in the difficulties and the challenges of life, God works his purpose. God is with us. When Paul was imprisoned, in one way it's not a good, not a good thing. There shouldn't be prison in, um, in, in our world, but it's the reality. He was put in prison, he was kept there, he was limited, but God, he, Paul knew that he could still give thanks because God could still use his circumstances for uh, for good. So even if you go through quite difficulties and trials, God is at work and God is there and God is present. And so we can give thanks for that, that we are not on our own. So what we could finish with? Well, again, with that, just one thought. The one who has called you, if you're in that situation, you know you've been called. Be encouraged. He is faithful. He will do it. What we are called to is to hold on, to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks, to be open to God's life, to his guiding, to keep listening, to keep learning, and to know that the one who is calling us is faithful. And he will do it. Amen.
0: For more Bible Bike podcasts, simply visit our website, www.saintjamestaunton.co.uk and click on Resources. Thank you for listening, and may God be with you today.